Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the crypto hipster, where I bring you the crypto corner, where I interview founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, musicians, artists, anybody who's who's who in crypto and blockchain globally, um, I bring them to you. So uh, today I have an amazing guest. Uh, His name is Richard Carthon. He is a managing member of Acacia Digital. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, man. Excited to be here. Awesome. I call it a show. It's more like news, but I call it a show because it's fun for me to do that. <laughs> so um, let's kick things off. Um, and as first question is this, um, what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Um, Kind of. So my background is in business. Um, I have... I've been in the startup space for most of my uh, career. So uh, post-college, I actually first started working at Merrill Lynch with um, financial management or wealth management, if you will, while running uh, my own um, app startup. I eventually left uh, that job to then go full-time into my startup. Um, Eventually, I ran into this place where um, I needed to raise more money, but I needed to uh, give myself some more runway. So I decided to uh, take myself and my employee um, off payroll so that I could, you know, give us some runway. So I, during that time, I went and worked at an artificial intelligence company. This is back in 2018. And the first day on the job, my boss says, hey, what do you know about cryptocurrency? I was like, what's that? So um, since then, uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole, haven't looked back and um, have been, yeah, we started up uh, Crescent City Capital back in um, late 2018, early 2019. Um, and uh, so we've been up and running for three years, and and now uh, we have moved in over to Acacia to kind of be able to get more into the venture capital side of opportunities in this crypto space. So um, a very, I, I would say, un, I would say super unorthodox path to crypto and what we're doing now with Acacia, but uh, it has all been going kind of in this similar direction. Interesting. You said that, and I like to get more clarity. I don't usually have a follow-up after the first, you know, your background question, but you said you took yourself off the payroll so you can get more runway. Um, Could you please explain what that means? Yep. So uh, in a startup, you typically uh, only have so much money in the bank. And uh, in order to be able to sustain, so basically it's uh, how much money are you spending per month um, versus how much money you bring it in. So we were a pre-revenue venture um, at the time. Uh, it was a, a calendar application I made called Follow My Cal, as in like Follow My Calendar, and um, got to a place where we basically found product market fit. But in order to establish it, I needed to t- turn on a couple of levers, um, build a couple of features to be able to address that market fit. And I realized that at my current trajectory, I was going to bleed money and basically run out of money and like three months. And so to extend that into six months, um, I uh, that's when basically I decided to make the tough decision to take myself and my employee at the time off of payroll to extend that runway to try to give us more time 
uh, to build out those features or et cetera to, to build it out. So what you're saying is that VCs find pre-revenue companies more attractive than ones who actually have revenue. Well, not quite. So I would say venture capital typically goes after revenue generating companies. Now, the the reason why is that you can look at financials and establish that they've been there before. So pre-revenue companies are harder to project out because it's all speculation. Um, it is purely um, guesswork and saying this is what I think. It's 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 trying to take an educated guess. Whereas when you have revenues coming in, you can easily be like, okay, well here that revenue generating activities. Here's how we can rinse repeat these. Um, and of course, you'll always still have a little portion of your money that goes into R&D to try to like increase your revenues and have more products and things that come in. But pre-revenue uh, is a lot harder um, for VCs to, to really be paying attention unless you have just absolute mass adoption. Like if you just have so many people using this thing that they're like, oh, we'll figure out like we this thing will make money uh, once the lever is switched or et cetera. But to get that kind of mass as well takes a significant amount of uh, capital typically to inject into marketing. And so it's a, it's a chicken and eggs kind of situation. Um, so I would say that a lot of VCs um, for their risk portfolio take a lot more revenue generating um, opportunities as opposed to ones that are pre-revenue because, again, they're a lot more risky. They haven't necessarily proven themselves in the market yet. Got it. Okay, thank you. So let's talk about KSG Digital then. Uh, what's it all about? You know, what's your goal and your investment mandate? Absolutely. So Acacia is all about finding unique opportunities uh, early in in their ventures. So we are looking for uh, pre-sale type of opportunities within the crypto exclusive space. So we are going exclusively after crypto and blockchain projects that are looking for uh, token allocations um, to kind of get into um, these different types of opportunities before they either like ICO, IDO, um, IEO, et cetera, before they have a, a, some sort of token event. Um, and the reason being is imagine just on the flip side for anyone who's in the traditional finance standpoint of being able to get into companies pre-IPO, right? Typically, if you are one of those investors, you do pretty well. Um, and some of those turn into absolute unicorns that can be absolutely game-changing. Now, the difference here in uh, crypto where the opportunities are is that the market caps for typically IPOs are hundreds of millions of dollars into billions of dollars of type of um, situations. Whereas with ICOs, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars up to millions of dollars. And so the upside on those are much higher, but of course the risk is also equally just as high. So what you're able to do is find some um, opportunities that could essentially be some of these different types of unicorns out there that turn out to be a very well prime example. Um, there are some ICOs and um, IDOs that came out back in the last bull cycle from 2017 to 2018 when they had the first ICO boom. And 90% um, the significant portion of those coins that came in didn't ultimately make it. Um, but, but the ones that st stuck around was truly building for the future, was established, you know, five years later now, uh, four or five years later, you're looking at some projects that have 10x all the way up to 1000x plus 
uh, returns. And that's in four years. That's that's insane. That's un, it's it's unheard of. And we've seen it multiple, multiple, multiple times in crypto. And so it's like, how long do you have to see trends repeating itself before you want to participate? And so what we have been able to establish with Acacia is finding these different types of opportunities that we believe have the upside potential to have that significant type of return. And let's call it the next three to five years. Great. Um, so um, that makes sense. I tell people that, you know, expect 10x in two years. And if you do better, then you do better. Right. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of them want 100x in 90 days. Right. So it's, it's unrealistic. So, yeah, so unrealistic. So, so how do you balance, you know, the difference between good investing and being completely unrealistic? So I don't know why in the world of crypto people are so impatient in the sense of everyone is trying to make a ton of money in a short amount of time. Like, oh, look, I just made 10x in 24 hours or in a week or a month, whatever it is. And even some people who got into some of these ICO projects who are like day one, if it only three X's and they're upset or uh, other stuff like this, like this unrealistic narrative or not unrealistic, just this like super aggressive like massive expectation of massive returns in a short amount of time without letting something be established if you were to invest in a startup as a venture capitalist or any type of company you would not expect to see your money in the traditional sense for five to ten years five at the super earliest aggressive side but typically you try to see like your investment come back um in in seven to ten years as a venture capitalist right you're trying to 10 extra money typically um and you're trying to hopefully do that within seven to ten years of whatever your investment is now on, in crypto yes that could happen in a matter of days weeks or months but also if you play the time game for a lot of these projects and you give it a year two years three years a lot of them who are building for the future and are trying to be around typically do phenomenally well with just given a time horizon so i don't know why people's time horizons have shrunken down so much in the sense of crypto because they're all trying to like see a massive return just like that because it has happened so they're thinking all projects should do that but cryptocurrency and blockchain when you think about crypto even though there's a market cap that's over ten thousand coins that are out there they're startups 90 percent of startups fail that's part of the game but it doesn't mean that even within the the 90 that ultimately fail they don't have three to five years of profitability that they do really well, that there is an opportunity to make some solid money, even if they ultimately don't make it, but they still have to have time to build out and prove their use case and to prove their existence. I mean, if you think about Ethereum, Ethereum came out, uh, I believe 2015, 2014, and it has taken them a matter of eight years to go from being worth a couple of dollars to got all the way up to $4,000. You think about that return, it's it's insane like and that's in that's not in a decade because a lot of people when they look at their opportunities again what are you looking for or, or your investment timeline is usually somewhere between five and ten years so even if you're waiting on that decade and you had gotten in at the beginning at ground floor and even waited that five years you're seeing what ten hundred thousand percent I mean, X return. So you just got to expand your time horizon. You have to find projects that are working some that are working on something massive and can get the adoption and can get the buy-in from the rest of the community. So 
our goal is to identify those early opportunities that have the opportunity to make it. Doesn't mean that they will ultimately, but they at least have a fighting chance to get there. Um, and we can be in uh, at the extreme beginning of that journey. Awesome. Yeah, I know a couple of people who got into Ethereum real early and are billionaires now and are out of the public eye. <laughs> so they don't want to be, you know. Um, right. So let's talk about, you know, though, you saw probably this past weekend there was an alien crypto punk that was sold for about 23 million or maybe more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people think that, like you said, oh, somebody did that. You could, you, anybody can do it. Right. Um, what you don't hear about is the, the VC deals that happen to make that price happen. Um, it, retailers think that just happened. Right. So there are still old problems from 2017 that exist in new forms. Right. Um, how what are some of those and what else has crypto evolved in those past four years five years so one of the main ones especially as you uh first i'll speak to like the the crypto side and i'll also speak to nfts so from the crypto standpoint you saw the boom the first ico boom from 2000 late 2017 to early 2018. what happened what went wrong people were given basically all of their shares at the ico date there was no cliff. There was no, we're going to slowly give you all of your shares over a certain amount of time. So most VCs or people who would be getting in, if they got in at, let's call it a penny, and then the ICO was at five cents, and the date of the ICO, you gave me all of my shares, I can immediately 5x my money. A lot of people are like, why wouldn't I do that? And there was no, there was nothing that stopped them from doing that. Um, there's no things in place to try to help offset that. And that's why you saw a lot of these big money raised ICOs that ultimately didn't make it and failed because they didn't put in the proper leverage. So what did, what did they learn from in this past cycle in, in 2020 leading into now where we're at in 2022? They started putting in um, cliffs uh, where basically people who got in initially, you don't see your first token allocations for a month, three months, six months, some even do a year. Um, and then after that, even after the cliff, even if we're gonna give you some on day one when we ICO, we're gonna give you 10%, 15%, 20%. So even though you have a portion of your tokens, maybe you can like slowly lever out and try to get your initial out, maybe if you want to, but if you diamond hand it and you're with it and you're, you're locking up liquidity so that your project that you're investing in, your, your startup, AKA, your, your your crypto company that you're in, they still have funds. They still have something built up. They haven't, their price hadn't fallen off a cliff. So it looks stable. It gives other people, new investors confidence that, hey, this is stable. This is something that's cool. I can still be getting in instead of seeing a gigantic drop off. Because then when you see an ICO or, or when that happens, you see this project that has a lot of hype and then you saw the price fall off a cliff typically it's because early investors who got their shares are dumping it all at the same time and you don't want that and so there's a lot of uh these what these newer companies are discovering is that money's out there people are willing to give them money what they would rather have are people who believe in them are going to just sell all their shares as soon as they get them and are also going to help them market are going to help them get other uh, investors are going to be able to help 
establish more relationships so that they can really be propped up and be a sustainable business instead of how do we make as much money as quickly as possible and hope maybe we make something afterwards. That that model is going away and more businesses and these companies are looking for partners who are going to help them truly uh, make their vision become a reality. Got it. And then you said you'll get, it, you'll get into the NFTs too? Yes. And so also want to speak into the NFT. So some of your first NFTs started to come out in 2016, 2017. Um, and a lot of them were not so much for utility. A lot of them were for like profile facing pictures. Uh, so something are collectible, if you will. What is starting to happen now is we look at why are like crypto punks um so essential well it's because the the people in the unit behind them uh in the community that were able to build them it, it became a utility of access to an exclusive group of people that you now have um this ability to be around or if, even if you look at board eight yacht club if you were to mint one of those when they first came out this is one of the best investments you could have had in 2021 because now I believe the ground floor is 100 ETH and I believe ETH got up to close to 3,000. So let's say the ground floor right now is somewhere around $300,000. So imagine if you had minted that thing a year ago, and let's say you probably spent maybe 100 bucks and it just became worth $300,000. See, this 300X your money if you had held on for not even a year, not even a full year. So as and one of the things that Akesha is looking at as well is some of these NFT projects and some of, I mean, there's staking plays. There's there's all kinds of different ways um, that you can make money in the world of crypto. But one of the, the pieces of NFTs that is unique in this is that there are a lot of different ways that NFTs can be utilized, whether they are being used as a utility for access to be able to get into exclusive groups um, or whether it's a utility of you own this and now you can be a part of this metaverse experience and have access to things or if you look at like gary vanderchuk's um nft play where if you own one you can have different utilities of being able to go to his conference for the rest of his life or go courts uh courtside and see um a, a knicks game with them in new york city with all expenses paid for whatever and then people are then able to go and do things with that on the, on the secondary market but the the larger element of this is the future's headed this way. Even Super Bowl ticket holders this year got NFTs. So as we look at mass adoption and what are the ways that people are really starting to look into this, NFTs is in a lot of ways starting to become a gateway drug for people to want to be getting into crypto um, and, and have something that they can potentially have that can then turn into a profit. But then also it is one of those places where you had, I think, four different crypto companies uh, pay for ad advertisements uh, in the Super Bowl this last year. So each one was worth $6.3 million, I think, minimum. And so the money is being spent. The fact that you have FTX Stadium, uh, Crypto Arena, uh, Arena and, and all this other stuff, like money is being spent for the, the rest of the world to start to come in and embrace this. And you have to have places where you can onboard these people who are interested in learning about these various products. And again, NFTs are one of those spaces that a lot of people are being drawn to initially. So the Super Bowl was interesting. I mean, it was a good game and it was a good halftime show. And the party that I was at, everybody was dancing during the halftime show. I'm like, this is pretty cool. But 
none of them except me were thinking like, I just saw 12 metaverse reference commercials, right? I'm the only one thinking that. I'm like, I actually bought during halftime, I actually bought, you know, some crypto. I bought some mana and I bought some others, right? I'm like, because they're they're telling us that the metaverse is coming, right? What are your thoughts on, on 2022 being the year of the metaverse? Um, just want to get your idea before I delve into the next set of questions. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. I think I don't know that this year will be the year of the metaverse just because there's so much infrastructural things that need to be put in place for it to be fully actualized. Um, I think this is the year that you'll start to see a lot of that infrastructure being put in place. I think if I had to guess the, that the true year of the metaverse is going to be somewhere in the next two to three years. Um, and right now you have a lot of these large corporations who are coming into the space, making it very clear like they're trying to be the leaders of Web3 um, and the new you know, virtual world and um, metaverse and everything else. But to your point, um, so one of the one other things I own, I own a, a company called uh, Cryptocurrent. When we're a podcast, we bridge the gap between people who know nothing about cryptocurrency with thought leaders in the space. And I threw a conference back in 2019 in New Orleans and had one of the lead developers from Decentraland come and do a keynote presentation. And it blew my mind. I was like, how is this being built? Why is no one talking about this? This is super cool. And at the at the time, when Decentraland came on, the, they were one of the first uh, and only Metaverse plays on Coinbase. Um, and at the time, you could have got it for three cents. And I believe at the time of this recording, it's worth over $3. So again, another 100x project um, in three years. And so it's it's stuff like that where you get access to this these projects and these, these companies and you can identify like, oh, you're doing something special. You're doing something very specific. Or even the concept that he was showing us in this presentation that there were plots of digital land being sold from anywhere from hundreds of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was like, this is ludicrous. I was like, there's there's no way this is going to pick up steam. But then like once he like shows the presentation of it, it's like, oh, my gosh, this makes a lot of sense. And so but it's taken time to build out that vision. Right. That was that was three years ago. Decentraland is impressively better three years now in the future than it was when it was being built at the time, which was still being very innovative and had already been built on for like three years. So the, the point being that the metaverse is coming and it's going to be absolutely incredible, but it's going to take time to really get it to where like everyone's in it, loving it and in, and enjoying what it has to offer. I agree. I did a, um, I did a piece on, uh, on the recent wedding in the metaverse and half the people who were guests got to see the bride and groom get married and half the guests got to see the groom get stood up at the altar so there's still some technical issues that need to be worked out right so um i want <laughs> i want to um i want to move to um you are you are a 20 something founder and i'm double more than double your age right so uh i want to talk about lessons that you've learned you know as a young founder in blockchain and crypto um and i'll ask you questions regarding that the first one is this is how important do you feel personal conviction is in crypto investing um personal conviction is very high up there because if you're getting into a, a crypto project ultimately you are saying that I believe in this project. Um, now, there's there's two ways to look at crypto convictions. A lot of people come into 
cryptocurrency thinking that they are traders and they are not they are investors now traders are trying to do quick flips they're looking at indicators they're trying to flip something in either a couple of minutes couple of hours or in a day uh, but their time horizon is a lot shorter than an investor who an investor you're passively putting in money letting it grow over time you don't care if it's up 80 percent one day 90 percent the next day and then up 150 percent the next day it doesn't matter if you're investing because you are playing a longer game. The time horizon is longer, you don't have to stress about it. But if you're a trader, the time horizon is everything. And if you're down 50% in 20 minutes, you might need to cover yourself, get out and don't maximize your losses, et cetera. It's, it's different. So if you're having conviction as an investor, then that means you really believe in this project that has longevity and can really become something. But if you have conviction as a trader, then that has a lot less to do about the project itself and more on the indicators and things that you have in place um, that are in rules that you put in place, whether you're looking at um, moving averages or, or uh, RSI or whatever it is that you are looking for. You, you have to have conviction in your um, tools that you use and you, you stick to those as a trader. But again, too many people, I believe, come into the space thinking that they're traders and they are investors. And so as an investor, you should definitely have some conviction about the crypto projects you decide to get into and understand why you decided to invest in that particular project. I'm glad you put it that way and made a distinction. That's great. Um, so um, at different times, I've been both. So um, you also mentioned the community of contacts earlier when you talked about NFTs. What's the importance of the role of your community, um, and how do you how do you get how do you get the normies to join you in your crypto journey? So there's a lot of reasons why somebody wants to join crypto, whether it's to learn about new technology, whether it's to invest and make money, which that's typically the big one, um, or there is something that speaks to them that makes sense to them. So. Last year, I had a rush of people come to me and ask me about crypto as soon as NFTs really started to take off. I had a ton of people asking me like, hey, what is this thing? How do I make one? Um, how could I potentially put this into like my career, et cetera? And once somebody has the hook of here's how in my life I could use blockchain technology to uh, turn it into a way for either me to monetize it or further my career or to turn it into a... Uh, my own type of job career, et cetera, that's when you have that hook and you, you, you want them or they're, they're excited to be learning more and getting more involved. But what I've learned more than anything is that the first step is to own something. It doesn't have to be a lot. I'm not saying that you got to go and put in 100% of your money. I'm not saying you need to go put in 10%. But even if you put in $10 worth of some sort of crypto, now you truly are vested. You are interested to see like what happens to that ten dollars is it going up is it going down why is it going down uh are there other projects like this where you know you get excited you put in 10 bucks next two weeks later it's worth 25 you're like oh my gosh like how did this happen imagine if i put another zero behind this or etc it gets your wheels turning makes you want to learn more so as a someone how do, how do we get there it's doing some of the things that some of these different exchanges are doing where they're giving away free money uh to people who sign up or are given a free NFT for attending a, a sporting event. So now they have a crypto wallet. So they're like, oh, what is this wallet? Well, there are other things I can get with this. Or, oh my gosh, I could sell this. I didn't even know that I could sell this. 
etc. You're just you're getting people curious. You're sparking curiosity. You're getting them. You're getting their their the brain turning. And so the way that we continue to get more people in is to get their gears turning. So you kind of got to meet them where they are on what that means for them. And then once they see it, once they see like, oh my gosh, look at all these opportunities. That's when you got them. And then that's when they're going to kind of just do it themselves. So roll the ball until you have a momentum and then the ball rolls. That's right. Good. So, um, Let's talk about success. Talk that that leads to success. Let's talk about failure first. Failure in as an entrepreneur is something that's desirable. You know, you learn from failures. Failure in crypto is you lost your money. How do you reconcile the two? Being an entrepreneur in crypto. Man, that is that's a great and well phrased question. So, as an entrepreneur, we'll start there first. Uh, it is a part of life, but. I believe the true failure in something is if you fail and don't take the lesson from it and don't re rinse and repeat it. So you're going to not get everything right the first time uh, or, or have some mess ups or, or some screw ups, but it doesn't mean it has to be the end. It could be a stepping block and it points you back in the right direction. Uh, pivoting is a big word that typically comes up in the world of entrepreneurship. And it is realizing that you can, in, even in your every regular day life, you can be moving forward. You can be busy. You can be doing something. You can feel like you're you're moving forward in a direction, but it can definitely be the wrong direction. And it doesn't mean that you're not working hard. You're not trying. But if the goal is to be going north and south, but you've been going east and west, you're missing the mark. And again, doesn't mean that you're not working hard, etc. But it, it also means that you've got to pivot to get back in the right direction of what you say your goals are or what you're trying to accomplish. So failures can get you off the path but it's learning from those failures to get you back on the path to, to get it back going in the right direction now in the world of crypto failure can be done in a lot of different ways yes you lose some money the first you you, you can fail in a lot of different ways you can try to send yourself money send it to the wrong wallet address and you just lost money you can um, have your money sitting in a certain place lose your keys and now you can't access that wallet you just lost your money you can um not understand how exchanges work, get hacked and whatever's sitting on there and it just got moved somewhere else and you lost your money. That's another way. There's there's a lot of ways you can quote unquote fail in crypto. And one of them's failing to keep your assets safe because you're essentially your own bank in a lot of ways. And a lot of people aren't necessarily ready for that responsibility. However, even as you look into things that you are either investing in or trading in, it depends on what your end goal is. You always, before investing, my um, recommendation before you make any of those decisions is to have a game plan on what you are trying to accomplish. So if you're investing and your goal is to say, I have uh, $100 to invest uh, this month and I want to see if I can grow it by 10% or 20%, and I'm going to and, and if, it, if I'm able to do that, I'll put in more the next month. And if it goes down, I'll just let it sit. But if I lose more than that for three straight months, then I'll pull my money, say this is crazy and be done. Or I'll put in my amount for this amount and I won't touch it for a year. We'll see what happens. If it goes well, I'll double it the next time. But if you have at least that goal, now you're not stressed out. If what we saw at the end of last year where Bitcoin you know, got up to its all-time high of over you know, $60,000 and then now it corrected down to 30. And if you had bought at the top, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm down 50%. What am I, what, what am I going to do? 
And in the world of crypto, you know, like 80, 80% corrections happen. It's fine. You know, it's all good. But if you've never weathered that storm before, that is stressful. That is very, very stressful. So again, failure, you, you can't fail if you don't have a goal. So you come in with some sort of goal of what you want to accomplish in this space and then kind of go from there. But the, the true failure will be to come in with no plan and therefore you have no expectations of what to do. All those three things that you mentioned, I've done. Sending it to the wrong address, getting hacked on it, all that, all that. Yeah, it has how to weather that storm, right? So, uh, so your crypto, your 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 crypto play, your crypto playbook. I mean, not the, you know, um, I want to find out what what yours is. Um, as it relates to, like your 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 goal, your playbook. Like mine is, you know hold for four for another four years and wait and see what happens right um you know what is yours <laughs> i see yeah so my personal playbook and of course everyone listen this is not financial advice but what i myself am doing um there or i, I have a, i call it my hodl portfolio so hold on for your life portfolio and i have it my swing portfolio then i have my trade portfolio so i'd say i have 80 percent of my personal investments in my HODL portfolio, where I find projects that I truly believe in, and I will not touch it for a minimum three years. Just doesn't matter what ha what's happening, not touching this. Um, three, three is my like maybe I'll sell this thing, but it's more like five. Ideally, in five years, I'll can I'll, like I'll sell something. But I, I I just see seeing from previous conversations I've had with um, other people from my podcast, they all say that the, the thing that they will typically come back to is I wish I held on. I wish I never sold. I just wish I would have been a little bit more patient and my life would be a lot different. And so what I've, I've taken from that is if you really have conviction of a project, give it three to five years and good things typically happen. So again, 80% of my portfolio is kind of like that. I have 10% that is kind of more of a swing where it's like, hmm, I have X amount of money. I think I could probably double it or X amount it in the next, let's call it month to three months. And so I strategically get into some of those um, and we'll reallocate and see if some of these projects have some legs. And then I'll either move them to my HODL portfolio or I'll take those uh, gains and then find another project to rinse and repeat and get into. And then let's call it um, the final little bit that I have, which I call the, the trader portfolio is um, I'm observing the market. I see this thing happening. I think this move's about to happen. I look for it. I put some money at it. And as soon as I hit my threshold of what I was looking for, whether it's like a quick 20% gain, 50% gain, whatever it is, I get it, I get out, I don't think about it. And now I look for another trade that I want to get into. And the point of those trades is just to keep having liquidity to keep getting into some of those um, those uh, larger flips that, that the, the one to three month projects that I try to get into. Um, because in my mind, the, the HODL portfolio that I get into, a lot of those are like one big time purchases that I just set aside or they're um, dollar cost averaging, which I, I do a lot of with Bitcoin and um, some some other stuff where it's like, doesn't matter. I'm not selling it and I'm just consistently buying because I, I think it's super undervalued. Awesome. Thank you. Um, very similar. Uh, so. I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's been an amazing conversation. And um, I have one final question is this, how can people find out more information about you, about your company, about what you do? How can they do that? Absolutely. So you can go to acaciadigital.io to find out more.
more about everything that we have going on over there and some of the cool products that we have. Um, right now, we are currently open. If something that you're looking to get some exposure into the crypto space, um, be, if you want to have a conversation, feel free to uh, get in contact with me. On most of my social handles uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Richard Carthon. On Instagram, I'm Richard underscore Carthon. Um, and then um, for a lot of the content that I put out for educational purposes and Divine Alpha with some of the amazing projects out there, uh, you can follow me at CryptoCurrent. So uh, you can either go to crypto-current.co or you go to our Twitter and do um, underscore CryptoCurrent underscore and find us there as well. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.